this morning, please, to the book of Proverbs. You find the book of Psalms kind of open there in the middle and then go one book further. You'll be in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter one. We all need wisdom for life, plain and simple. We need wisdom. And the wise thing to do is to go ahead and admit that we need wisdom. But as Chuck Swindoll has noted, we try to, at times to hide our Lack of wisdom, kind of like the man who uh, bought a yacht and um, his wife was nervous. If you can imagine that, because uh, this man didn't have very much experience with sailing. And this man knew, though, that he could do it. And so for weeks and weeks and weeks, he practiced in the harbor before actually taking to the sea. And finally, he was able to talk his nervous wife into going on the yacht with him. And gingerly, she stepped on board of that yacht and out into the harbor, they proceeded. And he was trying to put his nervous wife at ease. And he said, honey, look, I practiced enough in this harbor to know where every rock, every reef and every sandbar is. 
And at that very moment, a huge hidden rock beneath the water's surface made a large crunching sound from stem to stern. There, he said with a sheepish grin, is one of them going by now. And so we need wisdom and uh, we need God's wisdom. Let's not be ashamed that we need wisdom in life. We need to instead turn to God's word. And there's one particular book that we're studying right now that will help us when it comes to wisdom for daily living. Now, we kind of got started two weeks ago. And then I was, of course, on vacation. Brother Larry did a good job, I know, filling in while I was gone. But we got started two weeks ago, just kind of introducing the book to you. And today we're going to dive in again and learn some more things that will help us. But in the introductory message, if you weren't here, you know, we're going to give you the the summary here. So you'll be all on the same page with us. I gave you three main goals uh, for this series and three guidelines for studying Proverbs. So I want to talk to you about the goals that I have in studying this summer, uh, the book of Proverbs. I said, first of all, I'm challenging everybody to read through the book of Proverbs at least once. And we have uh, prepared bookmarks for you. If you didn't get one last time, they're on the table back there. They're on the other table. And you can take one of those and mark your progress. And I hope that you've taken that challenge and you're going to read through the book of Proverbs at least once. Uh, Some people like to read through Proverbs every month because there's 31 chapters and they can read a chapter a day. But at least once to read through the book of Proverbs. And then I'm praying that between our time on Sundays and your personal reading, you're going to move from just reading Proverbs to falling in love with the book of Proverbs. And it'll be something you'll love to do. And it won't be a, a task or tedious, but you'll love to jump in and read the book of Proverbs. And then the third goal I have in this is to help you understand how to interpret Proverbs. Help you to know how to interpret Proverbs. It's important to know how to approach this book so you can properly interpret the book and understand what it's saying. And because of that, I gave you some guidelines last time. And I'll just quickly go over those with you. Some guidelines for understanding the book of Proverbs. Because you're going to be reading it. And you don't want to just read to read. You want to read to understand and comprehend and have God transform your life. And so I reminded you of three main things I want you to keep in mind always when it comes to Proverbs. First of all, they're Proverbs, not promises. They're proverbs, not promises. You'll get yourself in trouble real quickly if you take every proverb and make it an ironclad promise. See, proverbs are generalizations. They're the way things normally work out. Proverbs are proverbs. They're not unconditional, absolute promises. So remember that proverbs are generalizations. These are the thing, the way things normally go. So proverbs are proverbs, not promises. Secondly, proverbs are bite-sized Not bloated, bite sized, not bloated. In other words, Proverbs, they don't say everything that could be said upon a subject. And I gave you that example of an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And then we gave you a really bloated uh, paragraph that we could go on and on and on about the benefits of eating fruit and vegetables and so forth and so on. But these things are bite sized. They they capture uh, truth. In fact, I gave you a definition and I want to remind you the definition here. Look at this with me. A proverb is a compressed statement. See, it's bite-sized. It's a compressed statement of wisdom. But it's not just that. A proverb is artfully crafted to be striking, thought-provoking, memorable, and practical. I love how this author said it. A proverb typically is truth dressed to travel. That's what it is. It's truth dressed to travel. And so proverbs are proverbs, not promises. They're bite-sized, not bloated. And then finally, I told you this, and don't ever forget this. Proverbs are inspired by God. They're not just man's 
wisdom. It's important to remember when you study wisdom literature like Proverbs, this is not just man's wisdom. It's not like just the self-help uh, you know, shelf at the bookstore. This is the inspired word of God. And so it's authoritative and we need God's help in understanding the book of Proverbs. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand it and apply it to our life. So there you have the summary from last time. Three goals, three guidelines. Look at them. Proverbs, not promises. Bite size, not bloated. They're the inspired word of God, not just man's wisdom. And my goal is that you'll read the book, fall in love with the book and know how to understand the book. Well, that's a summary of where we are. And today we're going to tackle some more here and actually get into the text itself. And I'd like for us, if we could today, to stand together and read the uh, text off the screen, if you don't mind, if you would stand with me. And so we're all on the same page. Some of you are already dozing off, so this will get your blood pumping again. We're going to read this, and, and I, I corrected it from last time, okay, so we won't read any verses twice, hopefully. But we're going to read just Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, off the screen together. Then we'll pause and pray, and then jump into the book proper, okay? Would you read with me? The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Lord, we want to be wise today. We want to hear your word, receive it and obey it. Guide our study, guide our thoughts, our minds, be with my mouth, help me to speak your truth today, and bless it to these people's hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me talk to you a moment about how the book is divided. A Proverbs is a very challenging book to outline. You know, a lot of books you can outline. We're studying right now uh, this Sunday, and uh, again next Sunday, we're in the book of Nehemiah. We're looking at a series, but we're in Nehemiah today. We're going to be in Nehemiah next Sunday during Sunday school. Uh, for the adult classes. And so you can take a book like Nehemiah and outline it and kind of have a gist of how things are going. But Proverbs is very difficult to outline. It gets very convoluted. If you're going to be reading the book, you're going to find the first nine chapters uh, kind of get you ready to receive the Proverbs that really begin in the 10th chapter and beyond. And, and the first nine chapters, you can kind of study those like you do many other texts. You can study them consecutively and you're building upon and keep going and going and going. And it kind of makes sense and has a reason and a rhyme. But in chapter 10, when you get to that point in the book, you find yourself jumping around a lot from subject to subject. And, and, and so it gets very hard to look at it consecutively. You begin to have to see, OK, so I'm at this here and then there's another proverb and there's another proverb. And you see how the book is structured. And so what I want to do today is kind of encourage you and challenge you, because maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking to yourself, well, why should I study Proverbs? I hope that is on your mind, because if it is, I've got the answers I hope for you today. Why should I study Proverbs? Why should I give time to reading it? Why should I give time to studying it? Why should I try to make sense of it? Well, I'd like to give you four reasons from these seven verses we just read. 
of why I believe we should study Proverbs and, and some good reasons. And, of course, we could say more, but I'm going to stick to these uh, seven verses answering the question, why should I study Proverbs? So ask yourself, why should I study Proverbs? Well, let me tell you four reasons why, and we'll see them here in the text. First of all, why should I study Proverbs? Well, because it is written by the wisest and wealthiest person to ever live. It's written by the wisest and wealthiest person to ever live. Now, that's excluding, of course, the one who is greater than Solomon, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, of course, is the wisest person who ever lived. But as far as humans are concerned, it's written by primarily the wisest and wealthiest person to ever live. Now, look back at the first verse. It says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, listen, Solomon wasn't the only author but he was the primary author of the book, just like David is not the only author of Psalms, but he's the primary author of Psalms. And so the primary author of Proverbs is King Solomon and King Solomon, of course, is the wisest and the wealthiest person to ever live. Now, you remember that Solomon didn't just come by this wisdom and this wealth on his own. In fact, it is God given wisdom and God given wealth. And so that seems very selfish and very self-centered and very worldly to say, well, I should study this because it's written by the wisest person, the wealthiest person. Ever lived. But listen, it's written by the wisest and wealthiest person who got his wisdom from God Almighty. And what we have here is not just Solomon's words. It's the inspired word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired these words. Now, if you like to write in your Bible and you like to put cross-references, you can write beside verse 1, 1 Kings 4.32. 1 Kings 4.32 says this, but Solomon, 1 Kings 4.32, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He wrote 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. And so we have here the wisdom of the wisest person and the wealthiest person who ever lived. Now, we talked about Warren Buffett a little bit last time, you know, uh, wealthy Warren Buffett. We think about Warren Buffett. We think about Bill Gates. We think about uh, people like that. You can't sit down and, and talk with them. Uh, more than likely, you can't get an appointment with them. I told you just to have a lunch with Warren Buffett for that one charity was, what, two, two plus million dollars. And I, I don't think anybody here is going to pay that. But listen, you don't have to. You can sit down with the wisest person and the wealthiest person who ever lived as you read the book of Proverbs. And so the very first reason why I think we should study it is because it's written by the wisest, wealthiest person who ever lived. And it's not just selfish, worldly wisdom. It's God-given wisdom and God-given wealth. Well, there's a second reason. And I think it's a great reason why we should study Proverbs. First, first, of course, it's written by the wealthiest and the wisest. Secondly, because you need wisdom. You need wisdom. I need wisdom. I would dare say there's some area in your life right now where you need wisdom to know what to do. Remember, Proverbs is written for this life primarily, for daily living. And the reason that we have the book of Proverbs is to give us wisdom in daily living. We see the aim of the book. Look back at verse 2. He just said these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Now, here's the reasons why he gives it to us. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom and justice and judgment and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. 
And then he says, what a wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel and to understand the proverb enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now, the Holy Spirit is not just using lots of words and verbiage there and saying over and over again the same thing. There are different nuances of wisdom being used here, different facets of wisdom. Can I walk you through those words in our English Bible and talk to you for a moment about what the Hebrew brings out, the original language? I know we don't do this a lot, but let me just walk you through this. Look at that word wisdom in verse two to know wisdom in the original. It has the idea of skillfulness to be skillful in something. And then you see the word instruction in verse two to know wisdom and instruction that has the idea of discipline and training. And then keep looking there in verse number two. See the word understanding to perceive the words of understanding that has the idea of discernment. So you put all that together just in verse two. And here's where you are. Look on the screen if you don't mind. The purpose of Proverbs is that the reader might gain skill for living life, the discipline to carry through with it and the discernment to know whether one is on course or not, because we need all those facets. It's one thing to have the skill to know how to live is something else to have the discipline to do it. And it's something else to have. Well, I've got discipline that I don't have skill. And then discernment in our world is such an important thing to know whether or not we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. So in just verse two, you have that. Now let's look at verse three. Verse three there talks about instruction um, of wisdom to receive the instruction of wisdom that has the idea of right behavior, behaving rightly, behaving correctly. That word justice means making correct decisions, uh, right or wrong. The word judgment there has the idea of rights and therefore punishments and rewards. And, of course, discretion there deals with moral integrity. You see all the different nuances and facets and all this coming together. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not absorbing. I'm just trying to show you how broad when it comes to wisdom this book covers. Look at verse four. Prudence. It says to get prudence to the simple. Prudence means to be sensible, to weigh things out. Uh, knowledge there has the idea of understanding and ability and insight. And finally, discretion there in the Hebrew has the idea of being thoughtful and thinking things out. We live in a day where this is desperately needed. So we've had the idea of skillfulness and training and discernment and right behavior and correct decisions and punishments and rewards and moral integrity and being sensible and ability and insight and understanding and thoughtfulness. All of that wrapped up here in this book. And then, of course, as you continue to grow, look at verse six, you get to the point where you can, you can go beneath the surface to understand a proverb and an enigma. The words of the wise and their riddles, you know, enigmas and riddles are things that are not just on the surface. You've got to dig a little bit deep and understand them. And so when you consider all the different nuances, maybe you're thinking, well, my goodness, I'm already lost. Well, it just tells us more. We need to get in the book of Proverbs, don't we? And because it gets, wow, look at all that. Well, let's dive in. So we know we need to study the book, first of all, because it's written by the wisest and wealthiest man to ever live. Secondly, because we need wisdom. We need wisdom. But thirdly, because it will help you no matter where you are in your journey of life. It will help you no matter where you are in your journey of life. What I mean by this, beloved, is you'll never outgrow the book of Proverbs. You'll never get to the point where you say, you know what, I know it all and I've got it all down. In fact, you know what wisdom says? Wisdom says that the more you learn, 
the more you realize how much you don't know. The more you increase in knowledge, you realize how much more knowledge there is that you need to increase in. Now, Proverbs presupposes, I think, that we have a relationship with the Lord already. That we know the Lord and we want to serve the Lord. And no matter where we are in life, it has something to offer us. Did you notice the different stages as we read those seven verses? I don't know if you call it or not. In verse 4, look at what it says. To give prudence to the simple. To give prudence to the simple. Well, who's the simple? Well, simple doesn't mean dumb. Simple has the idea of someone who is untaught. Or someone who is gullible. You know anybody gullible? You know anybody like that? Some of you do because you take advantage of them a lot. Uh, Somebody who's naive. You know, they believe whatever. It has the idea of being inexperienced. So someone who's simple is untaught and, and gullible and naive. They're inexperienced. They haven't been around that long and, or, or they haven't experienced enough. It reminds me of a story of a passenger who was flying on a four-engine plane. And the pilot comes on the intercom system and announced that one of the engines on the left side of the plane had failed. And the pilot says, don't be alarmed. We can still make it to our destination on three engines, but we'll probably arrive 15 minutes late. Now, I want you to put yourself on this plane for a moment. One engine's out. There's four engines. A few moments later, the pilot comes back on the intercom and says, those on the... And you get nervous because you're flying them all, aren't you? <laughs> those on the right side of the plane may be aware that a second engine has failed. Don't be concerned. We can still make it to our destination on two engines, but more than likely we'll be 30 minutes late. Well, soon the pilot came on again. Said it may have come to it's come to my attention that a third engine has failed. Don't be alarmed. We can still fly with just one engine. Unfortunately, we'll be about 45 minutes late. And at that time, the passenger turned to the man next to him and said these words. I hope that fourth engine doesn't fail or we'll be up here all night. <laughs> Inexperienced. That's a simple person. They haven't been around enough. They don't understand. And what we have here in Proverbs, we have wisdom. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple person. They're inexperienced. They need wisdom. There's a second group mentioned. Did you notice in verse 4? Not only the simple, but to the young. To the young man or young woman, knowledge and discretion. Now listen, youth need wisdom. They need instruction. They need training. They need guidance. They need wisdom. Now, how many of us who are older now, we we look back upon our life and when we were young, we thought we knew a lot. Now we're old. We thought, man, we were really dumb. You see, youth is is not because anything's wrong. It's just because they, too, are inexperienced. They need wisdom. They need guidance. They need direction. We don't belittle them for that. We encourage them and help them and train them. And that's what Proverbs is trying to do. Solomon's trying to do. You'll see that as you read the book. He's trying to help not only the simple person, no matter what their age, those that are gullible and naive and experienced and so forth, but also those who are young. Those who are youth. Those who are children and young men and young women to help them to understand wisdom in God's direction. But not only the simple and the young, but you notice verse five, it says a wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Of course, implied there's a wise woman and a woman of understanding as well. And so not only the simple and the young, those who need that wisdom and direction, but also a wise man, a wise woman, a man of understanding, a woman of understanding. We never get to the point where we know it all. 
Uh, in fact, the more we grow in our learning, the more we realize what we don't know. You see, the wise person doesn't quit learning. A wise person keeps on listening, keeps on learning, and keeps on seeking wise counsel. Now, I don't know, you may come in today and you, maybe you say, well, I, I'm too old to learn. No, you're not. Stay in the Word of God. Continue learning and wisdom. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3.18 says this, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, we've got to humble ourselves and say, Listen, I don't have the wisdom I need. And to dive into the Word of God, especially here as we're studying the book of wisdom, that is the book of Proverbs. Well, we need wisdom, do we not? Um, it'll help us no matter where we are in our journey. Now, fourthly, we need wisdom because it'll help you fear God and not be a fool. It'll help you to fear God and not be a fool. Verse seven is the key to the book. Look at verse seven. This is the key verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, here in the New King James, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That word beginning in the original doesn't have the idea of starting and leaving. It's more than that. It has the idea of laying a foundation. If you're reading from the New Living Translation, you find it see there on the screen that it captures the meaning in the original, I think, better. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. It's the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you're going to have true knowledge, you're going to have to fear the Lord. And fear here has the idea, beloved, of reverencing and respecting the Lord. Uh, This kind of fear would include submission to the Lord, obedience to the Lord, service to the Lord, worship of the Lord. If we're going to be truly wise in this world, in our life, day in and day out, we're going to have to have an ongoing respect of God. And by the way, you can look around today and see that in our society, there's not that fear of the Lord, that respect of the Lord. But it's God's people. If I'm going to be a wise person, I've got to have the fear of the Lord. Why? Because it's the foundation of true knowledge. See, true wisdom and true knowledge doesn't start in a classroom. It starts on your knees before Almighty God. As you humble yourself before him and acknowledge him as God alone and you submit to him and you respect him and you reverence him and you worship him and you say, Lord, I don't have the wisdom. I need your wisdom. I need your help in daily life. You see, it starts with and flows from our relationship with God. And it says there the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But notice the next word, but fools. Despise. They despise wisdom and discipline. That despise has the idea of showing contempt, of uh, belittling, of despising wisdom and instruction. In other words, to put it this way, they leave God out of the equation. They dismiss God from their thinking. They don't acknowledge God. Beloved, as one mentioned, as we've been studying here, it all boils down really to this. Fear God or be a fool. Fear God or be a fool. And I know that's strong, but that's biblical. It says right there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so if you despise the word of God and the person of God, you're being foolish. See, it doesn't matter how many letters you have behind your name. 
You can have a Ph.D. and an M.D. and A.B.C. and a D.E.F. or whatever. Doesn't matter how many letters are behind your name. If you despise God, if you despise God's wisdom and his instruction, you need to add four more letters behind your name. F.O.O.L. Because it's foolish in order to despise the word of God and the instruction of God. To despise God, and his word, and his wisdom is foolish. And so this means, beloved, that the most uneducated person in the world's eyes, I mean the most uneducated person, I mean somebody who never even got to go to school, if that person fears the Lord, he's considered wise in God's eyes. But the flip side's also true. The flip side's also true. The most educated man in the world The one with all those letters and all those degrees and all those things that people all over his wisdom. If he doesn't fear the Lord, then he's looked at by God as a fool. You see the difference? We've got to think biblically about things and not be enamored by the world's wisdom, but be captivated by God's truth and his wisdom. Now, beloved, we need God's perspective on all this. Do you see again where true wisdom is coming into play? In fact, I like Charles Stanley's definition of wisdom. Maybe you're thinking, you keep talking about wisdom, 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 wisdom. What do you mean by wisdom? I like this definition. Look at it. Look at what he said. Wisdom is gaining God's perspective on life and applying it to particular circumstances. That's wisdom. Wisdom is gaining God's perspective. on Looking at things as God would look at them. Viewing things as God would view them. Considering things as God would. And and looking at life and then applying that wisdom, that perspective to my daily life, applying it to my family life, my marriage, my my career, my my finances, my vocation, my goals, my dreams, my schooling, all those things. I'm bringing God's wisdom into play in these things. Isn't that good? Wisdom is gaining God's perspective on life and applying it uh, to particular circumstances. And so I got to ask you today. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, and it's simply this. Do you fear God? Do you fear God? Do you have that respect, that reverence, that submission, that obedience, that worship for Almighty God? You see, fearing God truly begins with knowing God. And that begins by knowing His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says very clearly, we learned about it at Bible school, reminded ourselves again. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And there must come a time in your life where you humble yourself and realize that you're a sinner. And you're undone and you can't save yourself and you're headed for hell. And there's nothing you can do. But then you realize Christ has already done it all. As he shed his precious blood and died on the cross. And took your sin upon himself. And he was buried and rose again victorious. And he says, come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Call upon me and I'll save you. And it begins, fear of God. As you fall on your knees, say, oh God, I'm undone. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. Come into my heart and my life. As you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? If not, I encourage you to begin. If you want to know true wisdom for life. You want to know true help in life and true guidance in life. It needs to begin at the cross of the Lord Jesus as you humble yourself and bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God desires for us to live with him in eternity. But the book of Proverbs reminds us that God desires for us to live for him here and now. Can I just let you in on something? 
in case you're mistaken, because some people like to put kind of things, separators in their mind. And you think, well, God's real concerned about my attendance at church on Sunday. And he is. And God's real concerned about me reading this word and praying and all. Yes, and he is. But I kind of let you know something. God's real concerned about your daily life, no matter what you're doing. God's concerned about your classes in school. God's concerned about your job. God's concerned about your marriage and your family. God's concerned about your finances and your health and everything else that comes. God is concerned with those decisions. If it's a concern for you, it's a concern for God. And God has given us his word, his Holy Spirit, prayer, all these wonderful gifts. And he wants us to live for him in daily life and to magnify him in daily life. And that's what this is all about. And he's given us this book of wisdom, Proverbs. And so the question is, what are we going to do with it? I love this verse. The book of James is a very practical book. I love the book of James. And some have called James the Proverbs of the New Testament. But there's a verse I think that's very fitting for our study in our time. And it's James chapter 1 and verse 5. Look at what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, what does it say happens if you ask God? Does God say, I don't have time for you. I don't care about that. Figure it out yourself. Now, what does the Bible say? Ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. God is not like that mean teacher you had in school who you were afraid to ask him because it made you feel dumb. That's not a sign of a good teacher, by the way. He's brought, the teacher said, listen, I'm going to help you understand. Let's walk through this again. Let me show you again. Let me lay it out for you again. And God says, listen, if you lack wisdom, ask me. I won't reproach you. I, I, I won't. I'll give it liberally without reproach. But it goes back to what you've got to humble yourself and ask. We have a hard time with that, don't we? How many men you won't ask for directions? Raise your hand. How many ladies will ask for instruction on that particular recipe? Figure it out. Just, just, just eat it. I'll figure it out next time. It, humility plays a part, doesn't it? I've got to humble myself and say, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. God, notice, God longs to give us wisdom. He's given us his entire word. The the Bible. He's given us a particular book for daily living. He's given us his Holy Spirit and prayer and brothers and sisters in Christ and the church and teaching and all these things. He longs to grant us wisdom, but will receive it. I had the privilege of teaching at one point in Christian school. I taught uh, junior high and high school Bible. And this poor Christian school was in such dire straits. I was also the PE teacher. Can you imagine that? And the health teacher. Why are you all laughing about that? I don't but you know, if you've ever taught, whether it be a Sunday school class, VBS, or your own children or grandchildren, there has to be that willingness to receive, right? You can, I mean, you can beat them with a book and you do all kinds of things, but they've got to be open to receive. What about us? Are we open to God's wisdom? Are we, are we going to humble ourselves and say, God, I need, I'm convinced in this room, There's a lot of folks who need wisdom for daily living. You need some wisdom right now. Would you humble yourself and say, God, I need wisdom. And would you dive into this book? I pray that you will. I challenge you to join me as we dive into this book of wisdom. Why should we study the book of Proverbs? It's the word of God written by the wisest and wealthiest man, given God given wealth and God given wisdom. We need wisdom. It will help us no matter where we are in our journey of life, whether we're simple, naive, experienced, whatever. It'll help us. 
And it will help us to be wise and not foolish in daily living. Will you take the challenge? Will you read it? Will you study it? Will you receive it? Will you humble yourself today and say, God, I want your wisdom. Father, thank you for the challenge from your word. Thank you for your concern over our daily life. There's nothing that touches our life that you're not concerned about. Lord, I pray that you'd rip down that partition in anybody's life who's thinking that you're only concerned about one thing or a couple things. No, you're concerned about all of our life. You want all of our life to be lived for your honor and your glory. So, Father, help us to humble ourselves, to seek your face, to seek your wisdom. And you're more than willing to liberally give it to us without reproach. Now, God, I pray if there's anybody here today who's not taken that first step of wisdom and received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, would you bring them even now as we have this closing time together? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with number 473. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. Here's the invitation today. Maybe there's something upon your heart. Maybe you're a believer today and you say, well, there's some areas that I need some wisdom. Maybe come today and bow at this altar and say, God, I humble myself and I ask you for wisdom. And then get into the word. And then maybe you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I invite you to receive him today? While we're singing this closing song, I'll be right down front here in front of this table. I'd love to receive you and help you and lead you to the cross. Put you with someone who will take a Bible and share Christ with you. The altar is open today. Please be obedient to the Spirit's leading. Whatever He says to you, you do it. 473, let's stand and sing, More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee.